today our topic is can miracles still happen? And maybe other people will be asking, do miracles happen at all? Right? So, but if they do, can they still happen? Is it still possible that miracles will take place today in our modern society of our age? So that's what we're going to talk about. But before we do that, we want to make sure that the Lord is leading and presiding this uh, worship service. So join me as far as possible in prayer before we start. Heavenly Father, now as we open Scripture and we study your word, may you anoint my lips, may you bless me, Lord, that everything I say may be according to your will. May I not uh, stand up here to present my own ideas, but may you use me as your instrument. And help us all, everyone here in this, in this church at this point. May we open our hearts. May we be sensitive to the voice and the leading of the Spirit. And may, Lord, we learn from what you have for us this morning. May then we leave this place more blessed than, then, than when we, we came in. We ask you these blessings in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Miracles. What is a miracle? Well, the word miracle comes from the Latin miraculum. Miraculum. And uh, it means wonder. Something that is, is not usual. And so, that's what the original meaning is. So, is that what we understand by miracle? Or does anyone have, have a different idea? something unexpected that takes place. So that's a miracle. Now, even though miracles permeate the biblical narrative, even though you read from Genesis to Revelation and you find several miracles, I should say that miracles are not what we find the most in the Bible, right? Uh, the Bible has many other things in its narrative but miracles are present there. However, we may, sometimes we may have the impression that the Bible uh, is only about miracles. Well, God's revelation is a miracle and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in itself is a miracle. But in terms of a single events, miracles are not what make uh, most of the biblical text. And we also must remember that the Bible was written over a span of uh, several centuries and also it covers human history from its beginning all the way through the end. Uh, when Jesus comes and after Jesus comes and then eternal life, all of that is contained in here. So a span of several millennia. And sometimes we have the impression that miracles happened like uh, one after the other. But it, it, it was, it could have been actually that uh, some miracles took like a few centuries to happen after the other. But they're all here. They have been recorded here in the Bible. Someone has said actually that probably the miracles we find in the Bible have been recorded because they were actually ex exceedingly uh, unusual. And that's why they were recorded here. And I believe that is true. I, I think that of course, not all of the miracles that, that have taken place throughout human history have been recorded in the Bible. 
But the Lord made sure that those who were really unusual, those who were really unexpected, made their way here into the biblical text. Now imagine that you are going to, to a meeting to listen to a very uh, well-known evangelist. So there are some evangelistic meetings taking place. And you go there, maybe with a friend. And while you are there, you see that hundreds, thousands of people have come to that, that place to uh, listen to that evangelist. And in the, midst of, in the midst of the preaching, the evangelist says, I, I thank the Lord that tonight we have here John Doe. And it's your name. I say, wow, that's my name. How did he know I was here? Maybe it's just a coincidence. Well, there are thousands of people here. Maybe he's talking about someone else that he knows. But then he continues preaching, and even you are astonished just by that. You think, is it a coincidence or not? But then he gives your address. I'm glad we have here John Doe who lives at such, such street. He said, well, that's my address, so I, I guess he's talking about me. And that's not all. You are utterly amazed when the preacher says, John Doe who lives at such and such street, this number, that person is here. And the Spirit of the Lord has revealed to me that this person has a terrible illness that they're fighting. And in fact, you have that illness. And you're fighting that illness. You are just amazed. How come? So this must be the Spirit of the Lord telling him. What can you think? You, you, you are led to believe that you are seeing a real miracle right in front of you. Well, this story is actually a real story. It did happen. And it, it did happen more than once. It happened a few times. But it turns out, it turns out that the miracle was actually a con game. What happened was the preacher's wife, she had a secret radio transmitter. And she would be walking around the congregation before the program would start. And she would mingle with people and talk to people and listen to their stories. And then secretly she would go away and call the husband and tell him the story of such a, uh, an individual. And then the preacher would mention that from the front. So unfortunately, uh, and that was found out, that's a true story. Unfortunately, in that case, the, the spirit of the Lord who was actually revealing things was, was actually the preacher's wife and her uh, radio transmitter. Now, when you read the Bible, you do see that there are many miracles there, as I, as I mentioned. Now, are they con games? Are they true? Our response to that depends on a series of factors, right? But miracles are there in the Bible. You see the people of Israel crossing the Red Sea. You see... God sending manna for 40 years to the people. 40 years they had manna every day, except on the Sabbath. You see Jesus walking on water. It's another miracle recorded in the Bible. You see Elijah being taken up to heaven on a chariot of fire. You see the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The Bible also talks about Christ feeding 5,000 people, 5,000 men at least. 
And the Bible talks about many other miracles. People coming back to life. Jesus resurrected Lazarus. Jesus resurrected the son of a widow. Uh, Jesus walking on water. I said already many other, many other miracles recorded in the Bible. Now today when you talk to someone who has a modern mind. And you talk about Bible Miracles. When you talk about the Bible, it's already, it's already a challenge. And for some people to believe that these stories were true, as described here in the Bible, I know it's a challenge for many people. The modern mind, the intellectual elite of today, has no place for such things. But the Bible is still filled with miraculous events. But from a few decades ago, to our days, even, even within Christian circles, there was something that was developed as, and it's called historical criticism. And they've been, some Christians even, have been criticizing, have been analyzing what the Bible says and they took on a different perspective. That they, they say that events must be explained according to natural laws. If they cannot be explained, uh, explained according to natural laws, then they must be discarded. So when you say that Jesus walked on water, you must come up with a, a natural law expl uh, explanation. Oh, maybe there was uh, uh, because of the pressure in the water or some other reason. But the reason is that if you can't explain it, then you must discard it. The Red Sea was open. If you can come up with a natural law explanation on how the waters were separated and gave way to the people, fine. But if not, then it's, it's not really a miracle. You've got to discard it. And modern thinkers have even questioned the reliability of the witnesses. The reliability of testimonies of a miracle. So let's say, for example, let's say you trust your pastor, right? And he comes up here and he says, you know, yesterday I saw, uh, I saw a blind man restore his, his sight. Well, you have two options. People will look at it, will listen to it, will say, well, if we can explain it scientifically, fine. If not, then that's a false testimony. Well, but you, you trust your pastor, you trust the person who is speaking. So then you are confronted with a choice. Do you believe the person enough to trust that their report is true? Or because it seems unnatural, you won't trust the testimony? Well, the probability of a testimony being true will depend on whether or not you believe the person, right? More than on what, whether or not it is possible to happen naturally. So it depends more on your belief. And here is what I, I'd like to highlight. We must keep in mind that if you want to believe, if you decide to believe in the biblical account, and if you think that the events reported in the Bible were true, and they were true miracles, it's because you believe in God as a personal God. That's the basis of it all. Because you cannot come up with natural explanations, with scientific or technical explanations to everything that the Bible describes. 
But if you believe God as your personal God, if you believe that He is reliable, if you believe that He is powerful, if you believe that God can, through His actions, make something that seems naturally impossible become a real historical event, then you believe the Bible. And Christians, by default, believe that God is reliable, isn't it? Yes. So if you deny, if you deny the truthfulness of the miracles reported in the Bible, recorded in the Bible, if you believe that you need to find a natural or scientific explanation for the opening of the Red Sea or for whatever other miracle, then you're starting to question the reliability and the power of your personal God. And you don't want to do that. Because in Him, we move and we exist and we find our meaning. Now, I should say this before we go back to the biblical account here of the healing of this blind man. I should say something that false miracles do exist. Do they? Yes, they do exist. Now, if a miracle happens then, is it necessarily from God? Yes or no? No. Some of you are absolutely sure of that. The others are not so much. So if a miracle happens, can we be sure that it comes from God? Yes or no? We cannot. We see God's prophets in the Old Testament, Christ and His apostles, and the apostles in the New Testament, they performed Many miracles. But one thing we need to acknowledge, we need to recognize that the devil is also a very real being. And he is an angel. He's a fallen angel, but he's an angel. And being an angel, being a fallen angel, he's a supernatural being as far as we consider natural what we see here, right? So he, he, he lives in a different dimension, a different realm, if you will. So the devil is real. And he can produce miracles as well. Here is how the book of Revelation, Revelation 12, verse 9. Revelation 12, 9 describes the work of the enemy. Revelation 12, 9 says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who does what? Deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So the key word here is deceive. So the Bible is saying that the Bible won't deny the fact that the devil can come up with miracles. But his miracles have one purpose. It is to deceive. To deceive, if possible, the whole world. So that's what we need to be attentive to. If if there is something that is done that leads you to deception, leads you to question God's authority, then it's not from Him. It's not from God. It's from the devil. Jesus Himself, in Matthew 24, verse 24, Matthew 24, 24, Jesus Himself said, For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect if that were possible. So the Bible can't be clearer than that. The devil has set out to deceive the whole world. And Jesus warned that there will be false Christs, false prophets, 
performing great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. Revelation, let's go back to Revelation. Revelation 13, beginning in verse 11 through to verse 14. The Bible talks about a power, an evil power in the end times that will come with natural, supernatural manifestations. Revelation 13, verses 11 through to 14. It says, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and had two horns like a lamb, and spoke as a dragon. There is deception right in there. Looks like something, but speaks like something else. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him, and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he does great wonders, here it is, miracles, so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which he had wound by a sword and did, which had wound by a sword and did live. So it's, it can't get any clearer than this. There are false miracles. And we cannot really precise, I mean, there is this question as to how those miracles are actually uh, performed and we don't need to venture into that. But the truth is there is deception and there are false miracles. But let's talk about a real one. Let's talk about the real one. Because this was performed by Jesus Christ himself. Matt, uh, John, that's our text. John chapter 9 beginning in verse 1. John chapter 9 beginning in verse 1. And I'll, I'll ask for your patience. You bear with me. But we are going to read the entire chapter. You know, I... A while ago, I told someone, I told a group of people here in the church, we were talking about schedule. And that's actually when we decided to have the readings from the book of Revelation. And once we finish the book of Revelation at the end of the year, we'll come up with another reading. But uh, we have good preaching in the church. But we also need to have scripture reading. Because it's the word, right? It's not only what someone expounds about the word but it's the word of God coming straight to us so let's read this story beginning in, in verse 1 of chapter 9 of the book of John and I'm reading from the new King James version here now as Jesus passed by he saw a man who was blind from birth and his disciples asked him saying rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind and Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, 
Is not this he who sat and begged? And some said, That is he. This is he. But others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now, it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, referring to Jesus, right? Because he does not keep the Sabbath. And others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. And he said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know this is our son, and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees, we do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. And he will speak for himself. Now his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him and said, You are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins and you were teaching us? And they cast him out. Now Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, 
Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now, we, now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. Now, there are a few characters here in this story, in this episode. We have the, the disciples, right? We have the man who was born blind. We have the neighbors of that man. We have the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders. We have the man's parents. And we have Jesus himself. Now, the disciples, what was the disciples' participation in their story? The only thing they did was to look at the man and then look at Christ and say, Lord, who sinned? Was this man's parents' sin? Or was his sin that made him be born blind? Now, the neighbors, the neighbors looked at him. And they said, that's the man. He's, but he's seeing now. How can he be the same man? Because he was blind and now he sees. And some said, no, it is him. Of course it is him. We know him. But others would say, no, it's not him. Looks like, but it's not. And they asked the man, so tell us, if you are him, because he said, I am he, I'm the man. Now, if you are the man, how were your eyes opened? And then once the man told, they said, so where is he then? So they wanted to confirm whether or not the story was true. They wanted to, to go and check who this man called Jesus really was. Now, the other thing that the neighbors did is that after this interaction with the man, they brought him to the Pharisees. They brought the man into the presence of the Pharisees. And now that's where most of the, the narrative takes place. In the dialogue with the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees asked him again. How did you gain sight? And the man told them again. Well uh, this man made clay with his spittle. And he applied on my eyes and told me to go and wash. And I went, washed and came back. And I came back seeing. That's what happened. I told you. And the Pharisees were divided. Because they knew of miracles. They knew that Moses had performed miracles. They were readers and interpreters of scripture. But they didn't believe that Jesus had been sent by God. And so because they didn't believe that. They kept asking the man tell us. Tell us how it happened. And the man said that's how it happened. And some said well this man. Because they couldn't find a natural law explanation to that. Are you, are you following me? They came with a solution to that. So some said, oh, you know what the problem is? Is that this man does not keep the Sabbath. That's what the problem is. And he's doing these things on the Sabbath. So he, he's working on the Sabbath. He can't be a true child of God. But then others said, well, if he doesn't keep the Sabbath and he's a sinner, how come he's able to do these things? And so... There was division among them. 
And then they turned to the man and said, okay, we, we, we are not so sure whether this man is from God or if he is a sinner, but what do you say? What, since he opened your eyes and he said, well, he's a prophet because only prophets can do that. But the Pharisees and Jewish leaders didn't believe the man's account. And now since they are out of answers because the man says that he's a prophet, that God, Jesus is a prophet, they say, okay, so we're going to make sure that he was really blind. We're going to ask his parents. And you see, that's what I, why I said, if you don't believe in God as your personal Savior, we'll always be coming up with excuses and excuses and excuses. So now, if he's a sinner, but then how can he perform miracles? Now, were you really blind? We're going to ask your parents now. So they came to the parents. And they asked the parents, is this your son? And was he really blind from, from uh, birth? And the parents feared the Jews because the Jewish leaders had already said that if anyone would confess Christ, they would be put out of the synagogue. And that meant, using a more modern word to it, meant excommunication. They would be cast out. And they didn't want that. So they said, well, yeah, this is our son, our son. And he was blind from birth. But how he now sees, and we don't know, ask him because he's of age already, he will be able to say. So the Pharisees came back to the man and said, tell us what happened. I told you already. Do you by any chance want to become his followers? Now there's something interesting here. that The Pharisees tell him, give glory to God. Give glory to God only. Because this man is a sinner. But give glory to God. And the man gives the most beautiful testimony we find here in this story. The man says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I know, that even though I was blind, now I see. And I am sure this morning, I am absolutely convinced, that if you look back, if you take just some time to look back at your life, if you take some time to look back where you were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or 50 years ago, and you look where you are now, I am sure that if someone would come up to you and question Jesus' authority, you might as well say like this man said, well, you may not believe him, and whether you think he's a sinner or not, it's your problem. One thing I know. That he has brought me from darkness into his marvelous light. I am sure this is the experience of many of you, if not all of you. That Jesus has performed some kind of miracle in your life. By waking you up. By bringing you from darkness to light. By healing you. By listening to your prayers. By manifesting his power in your life. That has been my experience. And I believe it's yours as well. But the, the Pharisees were trying to find excuses and excuses. And they say, well, we are disciples of Moses. Moses performed signs in front of a Pharaoh there in Egypt. And Aaron as well. And, and in them we believe. We are the, their disciples. But this one, Jesus, we don't know where he's from. 
and they cast the man out of the temple. Why did they cast him out of the temple? Because he confessed Jesus Christ. Now, there is one more character here and it's the man himself. This man, he followed Jesus' instructions precisely. And many times, I tell you, brothers and sisters, many times we complain that Jesus will bless everyone but us. That I see blessings coming on someone else's life. That I see someone else's answers being, uh, someone in, uh, prayer is being answered. And I say, but not with me. What's wrong with me? Well, many times we don't follow Jesus' prescriptions. And they are right here. They are right here. Now, I can't expect if I do something that will, for example, be harmful to my body. I can't do that willfully and in clear conscience and ask the Lord to save me. Because there will be consequences to anything that we do. I can't go against God's precepts as said in the Bible and then expect that the Lord will, will continue to bless me. And Jesus told the man, okay, now you go to the pool, you go to the tank, and you wash there and you come back. And the man could have thought, why, why do I have to do that? Why isn't this enough? Why isn't this clay enough to get me seen? But no, he did exactly as Jesus told him to do. And so I challenge you today, this morning. Are you following all that the Lord has told you to do here in His precious, ancient, and living book? Are you following God's precepts? They are set out clearly here in the Bible. Now, the man went, and he washed, and he came back seen. He testified once about his healing to his neighbors. He testified another time to the Pharisees and the Jewish rulers. He testified a third time to the Jewish rulers. He testified a fourth time when he said, Are you willing to be his disciples again? Disciples as well? And he testified another time to the Jewish rulers. That's five times. And finally he declared that Jesus was a prophet. Now, if you believe that the Lord has done something in your life, you must speak about it. You must tell it. Tell it from the mountains. Is that how the, the, the hymn goes, right? Go tell it from the mountains. Tell it. Tell it to everybody. I am sometimes worried when we say, does anyone have a testimony? And we don't have any. We have our our. Uh, communion services here and there is always an opportunity during communion to share testimonies and I praise the Lord that there is always a testimony in the church because if there weren't I would be really concerned so tell it tell it from the mountain tell it to everyone what Jesus has done in your life now Jesus did something unconventional to hear that to heal that man in an unconventional way. Now, can someone explain how spitting on the ground 
and mixing and making some mud, some clay, and applying that on someone's eyes, someone's eyes, and telling that person to then go and wash. Is there any scientific explanation? We have a doctor in the house as uh, to bring someone's uh, sight back. There is no explanation to that. So there is no scientific explanation. So because of that, either you believe it or you don't. Right? Either you believe it or you don't. Jesus required something from the man. He told the man to go and wash. And Jesus always requires something of us. Oh, but pastor, salvation is, is free. It's by grace through faith. That's true. That's absolutely true. But Jesus will not do for you that which you can do. Remember that. Jesus went to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he didn't use his power to roll the stone away. He asked the men to do it. Because that's something they could do. So there are many things that you can do. That the Bible tells you. There are many things that the Lord will show you that you need to do. And you must do those things. Before the Lord can open and grant his blessing upon you. We always have to exercise our due diligence in doing those things which are humanly possible to do. Now, a true miracle, that's the difference between a true miracle and a false miracle. A true miracle always reveals the work of God. Remember Jesus said, I am the light of the world and I am here to work the works of, the, of him who sent me. So miracles, real miracles, genuine ones, will always reveal the work of God. Now Jesus comes then in contact with the man at the end. And Jesus asked the man, let's go back there, verses, verses 35 through the end. Jesus heard that the, the man had been cast out from the synagogue, from the temple. Sorry. And Jesus comes up to him and says, Do you believe in the Son of God? And you know, the man up to that point, he was not too clear what was going on. He, he, he thought the man was a prophet. The man called Jesus. But Jesus comes to him now with a, with a deeper question. And he says, Do you believe in the Son of God? And the man said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And I come back here to the issue of believing. If you believe in God as your personal God, if you believe in Jesus as your personal Savior, if you believe in the Holy Spirit as being God and as being Jesus' representative now, you have to believe that these things were true. But then there is a follow-up issue and a follow-up challenge for you today. If we believe that these things were true, do you believe that they can still happen today? Yes? I see some very timidly saying yes. So do you believe that a blind person can regain sight? Yes. yes? Do you believe that someone who suffers a terrible ailment can be healed from that? Yes. Do you believe that we can pray for someone who once used to 
to love Christ and to follow Christ, but no longer today do you believe that if we pray, the Lord can work in their hearts and they can come back? Do you believe that? Do you still believe that uh, people, that the love of Christ and His power can convert a sinner into a believer? Do you believe that? Are you answering that because that's what I expect to hear? Or do you really believe that? I am really challenging you. Do you believe that healing is possible? Do you believe that the Lord can change the desires that you have inside of you but are not good for you? Do you believe that the Lord can change that? Do you believe that the Lord can help you resist temptation? Yes? No? Yes? Do you believe the Lord can work to improve your relationship at home? Do you believe the Lord can do that? Yes. So, why don't we see more of that? What is lacking? Faith is lacking. Prayer is lacking. Faith. So, I'd like to challenge you. Because we read this story, and we've just made a confession here that we believe the story is true. And that the power that God has is still the same. And then we go to the book of James, which is not our, our topic today. But we go to the book of James, and James says that if someone is sick, bring the elders and pray, and the person will be restored. Their sins will be forgiven, and they will be healed. And we read that. But do we really believe that? Because if we do, we should be more earnest in prayer. We should exercise our faith, and then we'll see things happen. Because either we believe or we don't. I'm telling you, I'm challenging you here. We have many needs in this church. We have many needs in this community. We have many needs in this country. We have many needs in this world. We studied last, month, last quarter here in the Sabbath school about the work of the church in the community. It doesn't take much. You go out, you see people suffering, you see the kind of life they are living, you see they're, they're desperate, you see they're empty. There is so much need out there. We want to see them saved. Now, do we really believe that Jesus is powerful to save them? If we do, then our, our attitude must be different. And I'm challenging my church here. We have needs in the church. We have people struggling with, with their faith. We have people struggling with issues in their lives. We have problems in this church that not even the pastor is aware of, of course. But if we believe, then we need to be more earnest in prayer. And I don't have the quotation right here, but there is a, there is a beautiful text from Ellen White where she says that, as the end of the time approaches, we should be more earnest in praying and in fasting and in being together, united, so the Lord can operate His miracles. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, I believe we are praying too little. I believe we are fasting too little. And we need to do that more if you want to see changes. Now, last year we had a journey of 50 days of prayer. And the Lord, the Lord showed His blessings. The Lord blessed this church in many ways. And I'm challenging you today again. We're not doing the same program, the 50 days of prayer, but we have a week of prayer coming up in a month. 
in, in five Sabbaths, we'll start our week of prayer here. And I'd like to challenge you to bring it all to the Lord, to be earnest in prayer. I don't want to multiply words here, but if we believe that, our attitude has got to be different from now on. So we can see results. Is the burden of life too heavy for you? Pray and believe. Is there something that you can't, you can't overcome in your life? Let's pray and believe. Is there something that you can't see spiritually? Is there some truth that maybe you still can't see? You've studied it. You've, you were taught about it. Someone preached about it. It's still not clear. Ask the Lord and He will he'll remove the veil. He'll make you understand and see that. Whatever the need is. Do we need to be more effective in our community? Ask the Lord. Pray and believe. And He will do it. And if this is your desire. I'd like to make an appeal here. Looks like every time I'm making an appeal. But yes. So be it. I like to make an appeal. If you really believe it. As powerfully as you were saying yes, yes, yes. I'd like to invite you to come to the front. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for this church. For those who come to the front and for the church in general. That we become a more, a more a prayer abiding church. That we may see the power of God being manifested. As a result of our prayers. As a result of our fasting. I want to invite you to the front. I'm not inviting to the front those who have a special prayer request. I'm inviting those who believe that the Lord can actually answer prayer. Please come to the front. And if you come to the front, I believe that you are taking a commitment to be a prayer warrior in this church. And believing that the Lord will manifest His power. There is something we discussed this morning in the pastor's Sabbath school class. That in the Bible, and remember this, every time you see the word judgment, it has a, a close connection with deliverance. And Jesus said that at the end of this episode here with the blind man. He said, I came to pronounce judgment. And what he came for, what he meant was, I came to bring deliverance. So I've delivered you from your blindness. And I came to deliver people from the blindness. So... Jesus is right now, we believe, in the heavenly sanctuary, proceeding with the judgment, and He is delivering His people. That's what we believe. So let's pray. Our Father, our loving and heavenly Father, we have been challenged by Your Word this morning. It is not the pastor, it is not the preacher, but the Bible has challenged us to either believe or not. And Lord, we have chosen to believe. We choose to believe that you are reliable, you are powerful, you are loving, you are the sovereign of the universe, and you are our creator, and you we believe in you as a personal God. That's our choice today. So Father, I only ask you that you may honor our decision, you may help us in our decision. There are so many challenges in each individual's life here. But you know them all. And you are powerful enough 
to fix them all. So, Father, we place them all in your hands. We place our lives in your hands. And I ask, Lord, that you may remind us day by day, from time to time, that we need to have this closer connection with you. We need to pray more. We need to believe more. We need to fast. We need to humble ourselves before you. And you are going to honor your promises in the Bible. This is our desire. This is our belief. And this is our prayer. In the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.